This Janet Meffer Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. We're trying to provide 100 refugee families with emergency supplies and the gospel during this urgent time of crisis. Your gift of $116 will help two families. Please help today by calling 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Well, I'll tell you, it's a little difficult to watch two town halls simultaneously. I guess you could do something like put two TVs in front of your eyes, or you could have the internet on one eye and a TV on the other. It's a little tough to do that. We did our best to try to do both town halls simultaneously. I concentrated a little bit more on the Biden and was able to watch a lot of the Trump just on the internet and kind of following up and going back and looking at it. So we do have a report on the town halls. NBC had on President Trump, ABC had on Joe Biden. And the big question going into the Biden town hall, of course, was will George Stephanopoulos, the former Clinton hack, actually raise the issue of Burisma and the scandal that has been broken wide open by the New York Post this week that was heavily censored on big tech social media. And of course, it never came up. It went on for an hour and a half, something along those lines. Burisma never even came up. But he did ask hard-hitting questions like at the very end of the town hall, George Stephanopoulos, I mean, he asked Joe Biden, well, Trump over at his town hall uh, talked about COVID-19 testing. If you do have another debate with the president before the election, will you demand that he has a COVID-19 test? Wow, so hard-hitting. I guess there was nothing else to talk about, George Stephanopoulos. This is why you don't put Democrat hacks into positions of quote-unquote journalism. That's why. Because their affinity for their party and their agenda trumps everything. Now, I want to go first to Biden. There was a lot about Biden. Generally speaking, it was, this is my take, it was boring He talked and talked and talked and babbled and babbled and babbled. And at one point, I believed that he was really trying to just fill enough time where nobody could ask him about Burisma. They had a number of people, Pennsylvania voters in the audience. It was supposedly a divided group. So you would think that would mean half Republicans, half Democrats. The only Republicans they introduced during the course of the night were disaffected Republicans who have voted for Democrats, Kasich supporters, people who are unsure. But then they had a bunch of progressive Democrats who are just loving on Joe Biden. There was only one conservative. I mean, it was so the whole deck was stacked against any kind of meaningful answers on anything. But I want to go to this particular answer because I think this one is going to end up being the one everybody remembers. It had to do with one of Joe Biden's favorite subjects, the LGBT agenda. This was from a mother. Listen to this question. This is cut eight. I'm the proud mom of two girls, eight and 10. My youngest daughter is transgender. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people, banning them from military service, 
um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under U.S. law? Not loaded at all. I'm sure that she just thought that up off the cuff and nobody coached her at all on that particular question. Are you really worried about your eight-year-old going into the military? Why don't you worry about your eight-year-old having some kind of mental problem that is confusing him and making him think that he's a girl? And by the way, when she was referencing the weakening of protections against discrimination, were you not aware of the Bostock decision handed down by the Supreme Court just a few weeks back where they came up with this idea that somehow federal civil rights law already protects sexual orientation and gender identity. So there was no mention of that. But listen to how Joe Biden answered it. This is cut nine. I will flat out just change the law. Eliminate those executive orders, number one. You may recall, I'm the guy who said, uh, I was raised by a man who, uh, I remember I was being dropped off. My, my, my dad was a high school educated, well-read man who uh, was a really decent guy. And I was being dropped off to get, get an application in the center of our city, Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate capital of the world at the time. And these two men, I'm getting out to get a, an application to be a lifeguard in the African-American community because it was a big swimming pool complex. And, uh, and these two men, well-dressed, leaned up and hugged one another and kissed one another. I'm getting out of the car at the light, and I turn to my dad. My dad looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. The idea that an 8-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. Huh? What does that have to do with anything? She's talking about transgenders in the military for her eight-year-old, and he goes off on a whole LGBTQ plus agenda rant. But did you catch the most interesting line that he uttered? The idea that an eight-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It would make my life a lot easier. That's what he said. Now, I can just hear the human rights campaign going berserk. Nobody decides they want to be transgender. They are literally the opposite sex inside than they are outside and they should have the right blah, 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 blah. The one thing you can say to the LGBT community that makes them insane is implying that there's any measure of choice in any of it. Because that takes away the main narrative they want to project, which is that they were born that way. And therefore, they should have all kinds of rights written into the law and somehow found in pieces of federal law or or some kind of court decision that, that it's just completely off the rails. Unbelievable. Then listen to this. They did discuss court packing. You'll recall that Joe Biden before talked about the fact that he didn't want to reveal whether or not he would pack the court in light of this Judge Amy Coney Barrett hearing that's been going on. Uh, He doesn't really want to do that because that would become a headline. But George Stephanopoulos brought it up again. Listen to Cut 10. 
But how about that question of expanding the court? Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight at a Democratic debate. You said, I would not get into court packing. I would not pack the court. That's not what you're saying now. Is the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position? What is the nomination of what I wanted to do, George, you know, if I had answered the question directly, then all the focus would be on what's Biden going to do if he wins instead of on is it appropriate what is going on now? And it should stay. This is the thing that the president loves to do. Always take our eye off the ball. What's at stake? One of the things Pete has suggested is, and there's a number of constitutional scholars have suggested as well, that there are at least four or five options that are available to determine whether or not you can change the way in which the court lifetime appointment takes place, consistent, arguably, with the Constitution. I have not been a fan of pat co uh, court packing because I think it just generates what will happen. Every Whoever wins, it just keeps moving in a way that is inconsistent with what is going to be manageable. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I then say uh, it depends on how this turns out. Got that? Then he went on to say he'll come out with a clear position before the election, depending on how they handle this. George Stephanopoulos again questions, what does that mean? And he said, I'm open to considering what happens from that point on, meaning the vote for Amy Coney Barrett's nomination and whether or not she gets put on the Supreme Court. So clear as mud, whether or not he'll actually do anything before Election Day to let people know how he sees court packing. He's just he's noncommittal. He talks all over the place. Everything he talked about, he rambled. When they talked about crime and the crime bill and whether or not he was for the police or against the police, he went on for something like 15 minutes. And I thought, you know, George, you could take a short break and maybe ask him about his son and China and money funneling to you when Hunter Biden was put on the board of Burisma and he was getting contacted by Ukrainian officials about, thanks for letting me meet your dad. That might have been a good thing for voters to hear about. But I guess that's just not something that a Clinton hack wants to bring up. Not in polite company anyway. You had all these disaffected Republicans in the room. You don't want to get them upset. Unbelievable. Trump was another matter. We're going to get to him right after this. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. Kevin Sorbo of the hit films God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light gives his thoughts on the scourge of abortion. One of the greatest attacks in America was an attack perpetrated by our very own Supreme Court. Now, subsequent to that, there have been 70 million babies slaughtered in the wombs of their mothers. That is more than the entire population of Canada and Australia combined. And that's why Kevin Sorbo also supports preborn. I wanted to invite you to offer your full support for the Ministry of Preborn and its leader, Dan Steiner. The team at Preborn is very focused and very successful at saving preborn babies from abortion. Will you join us in the cause for life? By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. For $140, you can help save five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. For several years now, Syrians have been pouring into the country of Lebanon to seek refuge amid terrorism and civil war. Now the crisis in Lebanon 
Lebanon has escalated in the aftermath of COVID-19, a crumbling economy, and a devastating explosion in Beirut. Yet the spiritual crisis in Lebanon is the most devastating crisis of all because many people there have still never heard anything about Jesus. That's why Heart for Lebanon is on the ground ministering to hurting refugee families in the South and the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon, providing emergency supplies, Christian education, Bible studies, and worship gatherings for these refugee families. And the impact is incredible. Your investment of $116 will help two families impacted by the crisis in Lebanon to get emergency supplies that they need to survive during the next 60 days. But best of all, these families will hear the gospel of Jesus for the very first time. A gift of $58 is enough to help one family. Can you help? Call now, 888-247-5499. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Dueling town halls. Boy, that was some fun. On the one hand, you had the Biden town hall in which he was never asked about the incredible bombshell scandal that the New York Post broke this week about Hunter Biden and the emails found on the laptop and money funneling to his father and introductions made between him and the Ukraine. Uh, And also then, as you know, Joe Biden has admitted this openly. It's all over the Internet that he pressured the Ukraine to fire a prosecutor who was investigating. Burisma. So basically, Trump was impeached for what Biden did. <laughs> this is basically what's going on. But George Stephanopoulos was too concerned about things like masks and fracking. Because fracking, we got to talk about fracking again. That's never been addressed. Oh, and the Green New Deal, which Biden referred to as the New Green Deal. That's not what it's called, Joe Biden, at, at any rate. It, th- that was one side of the aisle over on ABC. Then on NBC, you had a debate. That's right. There was a debate, except the debate was between President Trump and Savannah Guthrie. Let me let you listen to some of the exchange. This one was about herd immunity. Cut one. Do you support herd immunity as a strategy? Essentially, just let people get sick. The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. We did the right thing. We were expected to lose 2,200,000 people and maybe more than that. We're at 210,000 people. One person is too much. It should have never happened because of China. It happened because of China. And you have to get that and understand that. But it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. Then she goes on to ask the burning question of the evening, because this certainly has never been addressed before. White supremacy and whether or not President Trump denounces it. How many times has he denounced it already? I don't know, 10, 12, 15, 25 times. But she had to ask it again. Listen to cut two. I denounce white supremacy, okay? You did I've two denounced days later. white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt. And he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so th- this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so. Like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. Every time, in fact, my people came. I'm sure they'll ask you the white supremacy question. I denounce white supremacy. Okay. And frankly, you want to know something? I denounce Antifa 
and I denounce these people on the left that are burning down our cities that are run by Democrats who don't right, know what they're doing. While we're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the left and the violence and the looting and the murders in the streets and Antifa. We don't want to talk about any of that. Let's talk about QAnon. That's the burning question that I'm going to get to next. Let's talk about QAnon and your association with QAnon. What is the point of this? QAnon is a big nothing. And in fact, the leftists, just as an aside, the leftists in the evangelical camp have been on a QAnon rant themselves for the last several weeks. Why? Because they want to make conservatives look kooky. That's why. There are some people who are really into QAnon. There are some people who are mildly interested in QAnon. It's something that people, you know, look at to varying degrees. But Trump's like, I, I, QAnon, I mean, I'm against pedophilia, but that's about as far as it goes. Oh, no, 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 QAnon, QAnon. It's a joke. I don't know why anybody on the Republican side of the aisle would show up with any of these people who are just completely unfair. And these are the people who are supposed to be fair and balanced moderators of debates or questioners. These people have no good faith at all. And you can see this so starkly in the differences between the way that Biden was treated and the way that Trump was treated. And the big elephant in the room with Biden was left completely untouched, just as we knew it would be. It's disgraceful. Now, let's go to Savannah Guthrie again, asking Trump how he will accept the election results. Listen to cut three. Will you accept a peaceful transfer of power? You have said repeatedly, the only way we lose this election is if it is rigged. Now that is simply not true. The fact is either candidate can lose fair and square without ballot fraud. So will you accept the results of the election? That's the way I want it to be. But when I see thousands of ballots, right? Unsolicited ballots being given out by the millions and thousands of them are dumped in dumpsters and when you see ballots with the name Trump military ballots from our great military and they're dumped in garbage cans. That is a handful. We could go all night, which we won't. No, but no, we it's could go all night every day. one by one, a single case, a single day. You're talking about 150 million votes. Your own FBI director says there is no evidence of widespread oh, really? fraud. Well, then he's not doing a very good job. All you have to do is pick up the papers every day. 50,000 in Ohio, the great state of Ohio, 50,000. Uh, in another location, I think North Carolina, 500,000 applications in Virginia. No, no, there's a tremendous problem. But let me just tell you, they talk about the peaceful transfer, right? They spied on my campaign and they got caught and they spied heavily on my campaign and they tried to take down a duly elected sitting president. And then they talk about, will you accept a peaceful transfer? And the answer is yes, I will. But I want it to be an honest election, and so does everybody else. When I see thousands of ballots dumped in a garbage can and they happen to have my name on it, I'm not happy okay, about that. But just those are cases. There is no, there is in fact no evidence of widespread fraud, and you were sowing doubt can about our democracy. You, how, how our democracy. How can you say that? You do read newspapers. I do. You do watch the news. Yes, I know you read the I news, do. but do you watch it? I do. Because every day they're talking about ballots that are corrupt, that are fraudulent. And millions that are, are sure. being processed right sure. now. Sure, but you can win a race. Take a look at me. You can win a race by 1%. But why are you laying the groundwork for that right now? It's I'm like not. if I, I go play tennis with my husband and I say my ankle's hurting you know right now. I don't want that to happen. Okay. Savannah, I want it to be clean. Okay. I, want, I really feel we're going to win. But I want this to be clean. 
do you notice in that exchange how little Savannah Guthrie actually picks up on Trump's point, which is any kind of fraud, any kind of ballot dumping in his case where his name was on the ballot is a disenfranchising situation in a presidential election. And you can bet if this kind of thing were happening to Joe Biden, they'd be going berserk. Just be fair. They can't. They can't be fair. I liked this, too. This is where Donald Trump called out the media and the deep state. Cut four. But it's sort of ironic that you and them talk about the peaceful transfer when I spent three and a half years fighting off these maniacs. And now it turns out everything's there, that they were the ones that dealt with Russia. And it's too bad. But peaceful transfer, I absolutely want that. But ideally, I don't want to transfer because I want to win. Right. Well, good thing he got in that line about the fact that the people who were really colluding with Russia were on the other side, the people who were making it all up. Now we know from the Brennan notes that Hillary had put this whole thing together and Obama was briefed on it. And that was never raised either. That was never discussed at all. What about the Supreme Court? Trump was asked about Merrick Garland never having had a hearing. And does this speak to GOP hypocrisy? What changed? Here's what he said on that score. Cut five. But I'll tell you, the the whole ball game changed when I saw the way they treated Justice Kavanaugh. I have never seen any human being, and I'm not just talking about Supreme Court, I have never seen a human being treated so badly with false accusations and everything else. I have never seen anything like it. And you know what? The truth is, Savannah, like it or not, the ball game changed a lot. There has never been anybody treated so badly as now Justice Kavanaugh. Well, I would actually make a case, perhaps, that President Trump has been treated worse. He had to go through an entire impeachment hoax. He's had to contend with the deep state. He's had to contend with all of this vast corruption and vast corruption in the media. I mean, he, he's been taking it on the chin since day one and is still there. And by the grace of God, it's incredible. What about the issue of abortion? This did come up. This was kind of an interesting exchange. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it after you listen. This is Cut 6. But would you like to see Roe versus Wade overturned? I would, I would like to see a brilliant jurist, a brilliant person who has done this uh, in great depth and has actually uh, skirted this issue for a long time, make a decision. And that's why I chose her. I think that she's going to make a great decision. I did not tell her what decision to make, and I think it would be inappropriate to say right now because I don't want to do anything to influence her. I want her to get approved, and then I want her to go by the law, and I know she's going to make a great decision for our country. You running as a pro-life Republican. Most pro-life Republicans would like to see Roe v. Wade overturned and abortion banned. Uh, Many of them would. Would Perhaps most of them would. I am telling you, I don't want to do anything to influence anything right now. I don't want to go out tomorrow and say, oh, he's trying to give her a signal because I didn't speak to her about it. I've done the right thing in so doing. Uh, How she's going to rule, you're going to find out perhaps, or you might not find out. I mean, it may never get there. It may never get there. Now, you could say, why didn't he just come out and answer it? Because he's trying to get Amy Coney Barrett through. That's why. His record speaks for itself on the pro-life issue. I don't have a problem with that. It just is a way of getting the media off his case. And I'm okay with that because I know what a strong pro-life president he has been. Trump also had, I believe, a strong close. Listen to Cut 7. 
I think about people sitting out there tonight. There are some who love you. Some of them are sitting right around here and some who will never vote for you. But there are people in the middle. There are people who aren't sure. That's right. There are people who want to know why they should give you a second chance and how you might improve in a second term. 30 seconds, what would you say to them? Because they've done a great job. We had the strongest economy in the world. We closed it up. We are coming around the corner. The vaccines are coming out soon. And our economy is strong. We are at a level with jobs like we've never been before. We've rebuilt our military. We've rebuilt our borders. We had no borders. We had no nothing. We've rebuilt so much. We've given you the greatest tax cut in the history of our country, greatest regulation cut, equally as important. And we created new levels of jobs that nobody thought was possible. And next year is going to be better than ever before. All right. President Trump with Savannah Guthrie over on NBC. That's it in a nutshell. we got more to come here on Janet Mefford today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This Janet Meffer Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. We're trying to provide 100 refugee families with emergency supplies and the gospel during this urgent time of crisis. Your gift of $116 will help two families. Please help today by calling 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, now is the time that a lot of high school students are beginning to apply for college next year. And as if the pandemic didn't complicate things enough, there's another tremendous infection on our nation's campuses. The billions of dollars that many of these universities have been taken from foreign entities that are diametrically opposed to American ideals. Some of them are even sponsors of terror. What kind of impact is all this money actually having at our academic institutions? And what could this compromise do to our nation as a whole? It's laid out in an important film from the Clarion Project called Covert Cash. We're going to talk about it now with Ryan Morrow, the Shillman Fellow and National Security Analyst at the Clarion Project, where he spearheads the Clarion Intelligence Network. Ryan, great to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. This is kind of overwhelming. We've seen a lot of these news stories coming out in recent months about Harvard and Yale and Duke and some of these other institutions taking a lot of foreign money. How bad is the problem? It's way worse than I even realized when we first started this project. So there's been like little whispers and reports here and there about undisclosed foreign financing to universities over the years. And so my team at the Clarion Project, uh, we did a very long project um, where we took all the publicly disclosed transactions that the schools are legally required to make. And we tallied up the amounts. So we want to find out where this money's coming from, according to what the universities are willing to do when they choose to obey the law. And what we found, and the numbers keep going up, uh, the current total is that from 2012 to today, about $17 billion has come into American colleges and universities from foreign countries. And that includes at least $5 billion that the universities broke the law by not declaring, Ugh. and then later had to declare because the education department was launching an investigation. They declared it, and then we traced that money. 
Um, and, and surprise, surprise, a lot of that money also was coming from places like China, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Russia, Pakistan, you know, all, all of these places that are not known for donating for the humanitarian good of American students. Right. Well, that's an awful lot of money, $17 billion. Uh, How many countries are contributing that money? I mean, you mentioned some of the worst ones, China and Russia and Qatar and and places like that. But how many countries are actually funneling money into the U.S. academic institutional system? Well, some of the money is donations and then other amounts are from uh, business contracts, you could say. Um, and so allies of the U.S. are doing it. Um, you know, countries that are neutral. I mean, all the, there's money coming from basically every single country for different purposes. The anomaly here is how much of a proportion, at least a third, is coming from countries that are, in most cases, relatively poor, known for being selfish with their money, And so they're investing this money in American colleges and universities for some reason that we don't know, and that's a big problem. So if you have $17 billion and a third is coming from adversaries of the United States, and those adversaries are known to be very selfish with their money, it raises the question, what's the return on investment? Yeah, yeah. What are they getting that is so worth that money when they could be spending that money on their own military or their own corrupt lifestyle. Yeah, especially if you're when you're talking about the poor countries that you just mentioned. What do you think the answer to that question is? Clearly, with some of these countries, they want to buy influence. But what do you think the overall reason is that you have so many countries wanting to get their cash into the American colleges and universities? Subversion, because our country is for sale. And that's true of every democracy or constitutional republic, whatever someone you know calls it, when you have a free country, the ability of adversaries to buy influence is always going to be present. What's so frustrating about this is that we're stupid. <laughs> that, is that this money, just even what the universities choose to declare, which again is just a tiny fraction of the overall amount, I mean just a minuscule fraction, yeah. is publicly available. So this is having our adversaries say, essentially, we're going to wage an ideological war on your soil. And guess what? We're going to tell you when we're doing it. We're going to show you how we're doing it. And we are going to walk through your front door because you're stupid. Yeah. And that's what's going on. Um, and so there's very common sense things that we can do to put an end to this. Um, but it, it seems like common sense solutions don't advance very quickly in Washington because everyone focuses on what the controversy is or what the big fight is about. And then you come up with a common sense idea like, hey, maybe there should be more transparency when China is funding spy bases on American college campuses. It's like everyone says, oh, of course. So then it's not a topic of conversation. Unreal. It's unreal. Well, let's talk about some of these countries. China, for example, uh, not not really at the top of everybody's list at the moment over the Wuhan virus, but China has given a billion dollars to U.S. higher education. A lot of this, as you point out in the film, goes to run these Confucius Institutes. Tell us a little bit about those. Right. This, this is just an amazing example of subversion of the United States and having our adversaries openly say it. Uh, So this money that's coming from communist China into the colleges and universities, again, um, this is just what they're kind of blatantly doing. Uh, But they say that the Confucius Institutes are part of their soft power. I mean, that's a quote. The Chinese government says that's what this is. This Mm. is to spread propaganda. And then what we know, because they barely hide it, it's a way of recruiting students. And then, you know, universities this year 
um, university professors repeatedly have been getting arrested for hiding their Chinese funding. Ugh. So we know these are spy bases and propaganda bases, and we let them operate. Well, we do that that Charles Lieber, for example, who you highlight yeah. in the film, the chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard, was arrested for lying about payments he was getting from the Chinese government. How frequently are we seeing these kinds of connections between Americans who ought to know better than to do the dirty work of China uh, actually getting busted for doing that? There's so many examples that I've lost track. Wow. I told myself I would keep uh, track of all of them, but it became too much. Uh, and so in the case of some of these professors, it's just about espionage um, and maybe not just about the ideology, uh, but that's still a threat because when you develop military weapons and the technology of China, a lot of that's not straight from the military. It, but the technology that's used to make weapons, you can steal that and get by that way. So uh, that's very dangerous for us, even when people say, oh, well, you know, they're stealing secrets from a business or medical secrets. All of that can be used for China's war machine. Um, perhaps the best example, the most disturbing example, in my opinion, that we came across is that Qatar gave about $340 million to Northwestern University. <laughs> and we looked into what that was for. And they actually publicly said what that was for. That was to bring over students from Northwestern University to help Qatar expand Al Jazeera, oh. the biggest terror propaganda network in the world. I mean, that's arguably treason. It is. Oh. You know that Al Jazeera is anti-American, anti-Semitic, and you're taking money from Al Jazeera's sponsor to send your students and staff to help build that. I mean, it's treason. And then we found out that a professor at that school uh, who tweeted out on 9-11, happy 9-11, and said that we're the biggest terrorists. We looked into where he gets his funding, and he got two huge grants from a terror-linked organization in Qatar for over $1.3 million. That's grotesque. And I mean, here we have a pipeline then from the Medill School of Journalism, which is supposed to be one of the most highly respected journalism schools in the country, to this, what you're talking about. It's, it's disgraceful. It takes all of their credibility away, among other things. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive national security issue. It's an ethical and moral issue. It's transparent. I mean, it's just everything that's wrong in the world that you want to oppose can be summed up in this story. And as we say in the film, Covert Cash, which, by the way, when people go to the website to watch Covert Cash for free, you can look and see, uh, according to the declarations we have, the money coming to your local college and your local university. And part of the reason we don't know about what's going on in this black hole, as congressional investigators have called it, where we all know where the money's going towards, is because we just haven't had enough hands. Yeah. In some cases, when you contact the universities and colleges, you will get answers. And so we're asking people to do that. It just go to the website, watch the film, look at who's funding your local school, and if you want to use a fake email, you can, but just ask them. Ask yeah. them what it's about and see what you can find out and share it with us. That's how, you 30 seconds. That's how you find it out. We're going to take a very brief break. We'll be back with the Clarion Project's Ryan Morrow talking about their film, Covert Cash. Stay with us. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Are you in need of a healthcare program? You're in luck. 
As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. Or call now, 855-565-2561. 855-565-2561. Did you know that Bible-less believers around the world are praying to receive their very own copy of God's Word? Through the Ministry of Bible League International, you can send those Bibles today. Hear from Meng in Vietnam. If they don't have Bible, how they can find the truth? Because the Bible like a map to bring them to find the truth. And many people, they are really uh, hungry for the Word of God, and then they need the Bible. Nepo is a pastor in Ghana praying for Bibles for former Muslim radicals now following Christ. Anna was forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive atheist in Albania, but her godly witness changed his heart, and now he needs a Bible. Emilio lost everything after his home was burned by terrorists in Mexico, and he's praying for a Bible to share Christ with others. Will you be the answer to these pleas for God's Word? $5 sends one Bible. $50 $50 sends 10 and because of a matching gift right now, your gift will be doubled. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. Well, a lot of families in America right now are focused on college, whether you have kids in college right now or you have a high school student who's getting ready to go to college next year. You better be aware of what the Clarion Project has been putting out there in their film, Covert Cash. This is really important. There are billions of dollars that are being poured into the university system in this country, and they are being funded by some very disturbing sources and countries and foreign entities that do not have American ideals to heart, do not take them to heart at all. In fact, they are subversives. Ryan Mora with us from the Clarion Project. Ryan, you know, people might ask the question, why is it when you mentioned 300 plus million dollars from Qatar to Northwestern to try, you know, and, and then they have this connection to Al Jazeera. Is this offsetting tuition in any way? You know, are they getting millions of dollars? A lot of parents would say, does this mean that I can get a little lower bill in the mail then if we're getting all these hundreds of millions of dollars from other foreign entities? Is that helping students at all? Not at all. We know that from the Department of Education and Congress. Uh, they said that this doesn't go to lower the expenses for students at all. And it's amazing to me how the universities are so pompous and, um, and elitist that they think they don't have to follow the law. Because say what you will about universities, they know how to do accounting. I mean, they, they know how to take tuition. They follow the numbers because that's how they harass all of us. Yep. But then all of a sudden, they, oh, when it comes to foreign funding, you, you just don't declare it, even though you have to by law. I mean, that's just a little bit sketchy, probably evidence of uh, purposeful illegal activity, or at the very least, just arrogant pompousness. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. Well, here's another example that you highlight in Covert Cash, MIT, which I guess has expanded this relationship with Skoltech, this Russian, uh, half of this money, I guess you had mentioned, is from the sketchy Russian oligarchs, this company. I mean, this is so sleazy. Have you gotten to the bottom of why MIT is doing this? Have they answered any of your questions thus far? No, we we got nothing yet. I mean, the the way, the way the schools usually defend it is say, oh, well, it's for research or something like that. But the reason the money's going into the school for that is that they can help develop the knowledge and then use it for their own purposes. And the individual connected to the entity that donated to MIT from Russia uh, has been sanctioned and, and called out by the international community for his corruption and basically acting as an agent of influence for uh, the Putin regime of Russia. So it's not hard to connect the dots on a lot of this. Um, And again, I think a lot of this could be easily solved. There's been proposals saying any transaction above $50,000 has to be disclosed. Right now, it's $250,000. That's nuts. Like the law is any donation or foreign contract worth $250,000 and above has to be legally disclosed. Hmm. So what if you you send it over in shipments of $249,000? Like, it's just unbelievable to me. I think it all has to be disclosed. I don't care the amount. Make it $10 and above, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have a limit. But you have to put at least two or three sentences saying what the money's going towards. Like, how is it that that's not required to be a public disclosure when many of these schools get taxpayer money and parents paying for their kids to go or kids paying for their own tuition? Like, you enter a classroom, don't you deserve to know if your professor is getting money from Cutter? Of course, right. I mean, especially if they're putting it on cash on pallets and delivering it that way. I'm kidding, of course. But right. I mean, you're seeing this kind of corruption in the, in the American university system. What about, uh, you know, some of the theological influence that comes with this? I mean, this is, this is a subject on which you're obviously an expert, but you highlight in the film that DNC, I'm sorry, the... Um, uh, UNC, Duke Grant, uh, the Middle Eastern Studies Program at Duke that favors Islam. Surprise, surprise. Has Duke been forthcoming at all about what's going on there? I mean, that's that's a problem as well, because then the material that the students are receiving is biased in favor of the guy who's giving them the money to do it or the entity that's giving them the money to do it in the first place. Right. So I'm not aware of Duke University uh, saying anything, you know, giving any more transparency. I believe they're one of those that's called out by the Education Department for being particularly um, non-transparent about all of this. Uh, But when we're talking about these public disclosures, it's kind of like low-hanging fruit when it comes to this, because that's like the lazy money our adversaries put into our system, the most blatant examples. What about when our adversaries or like the Muslim Brotherhood or whoever sets up a front and they funnel money that way? That's not required to be disclosed. Mm -hmm. So so the schools aren't even disclosing a fraction of what is just coming through conventional methods. But then what about unconventional methods, such as where they buy the textbooks from or guest speakers coming in? Uh, There's all sorts of ways to funnel money in. So we're really looking at the tip of the iceberg. I don't think we can even imagine what the total amount is and how that's affecting things. Yeah, and if you, as you mentioned before, if this is not offsetting tuition, what are you finding that these universities are spending this money on? Clearly, they're setting up particular programs, but are they spending it on fancy buildings or you know extra stuff on campus? Do you, do you know to any extent what they're spending most of this money on? In some cases, it's uh, like research programs, which, like I said, sounds benign, but. 
there's a nefarious purpose to that. Um, it, it's so that it's not an America first research program. Right. Uh, that, that's the reason a foreign partner would want to invest in that. Some of these programs are to, you know, have cooperative relations through, um, you know, student programs, which is, again, another way of stealing expertise or recruiting spies. It's a good way of getting that contact in. And then you can, you know, see which students you can possibly recruit or radicalize. Um, so there's that. Sometimes they are funding complete programs, like the Confucius Institute basically says to the schools, hey, you get a free Chinese language and culture program, hmm. and we take care of it. You have nothing to worry about, and then you cash in on all the tuition. So the students sign up. They spend all this money. They suffer from mounds of student debt the rest of their lives, and that's all money you get to keep because the Chinese government is paying for all the expenses. So... Some of this is about getting rich on the part of the universities. Yeah, well, and it also, as you point out, it buys silence at a time when, for example, with the CCP, we don't need any more silence on the CCP. We don't need any more people covering up for the CCP. What are the real ramifications of this, Ryan? Because if you have a whole host of people across the United States whose silence has been purchased with this you know, money from the Communist Party of China and Russia and Saudi Arabia, how does that harm the United States in the long run? Because that that's undermining, obviously, our republic. It means you're, you have spies all over the place. Your technological advancements are being stolen, so your adversaries don't have to spend the money doing the research. They can just wait for you to develop it, spend all the money and time, and then just steal it. Yeah. Um, they can spread their ideology on campus, which is, over the long term, going to result in the destruction of the United States if it happens enough. And we make matters worse because how many students understand and take pride in American history or the Constitution and really know, like, our students are not equipped to be immune from this disease. Right. These anti-American ideologies are bankrupt, but do our students have the critical thinking skills to be able to detect them, debunk them, and reject them so that all of our adversary spending goes to nothing? No. But most of them have never read a quote from the Founding Fathers. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're right about that. And, and in mentioning, you just mentioned in passing, groups like the Muslim Brotherhood uh, might, ha- you know, setting up fronts. They do this all the time here in America. But d- do you know of any Muslim Brotherhood groups that are actually funding universities as well? Because that's another angle to this story. Oh, yeah. So going back to the 80s, and we know this from declassified FBI documents, uh, that the International Institute of Islamic Thought, which is a Muslim Brotherhood front connected to Hamas, um, and, and this is really well known, that part of it, uh, donates millions of dollars to pay for um, chairmanships at universities, to fund Islamic studies programs, and they say it right on their website. Now, where's that money coming from? I mean, historically, we've, it's been reported that a lot of that's coming from foreign countries. I would assume that's the case because I don't come across many donors to the International Institute of Islamic Thought. <laughs> no. Um, who's donating <laughs> to that radical group? Right. It's probably coming from overseas, but we know they're part of the Muslim Brotherhood Network. And in the 80s, the FBI actually had a spy inside the Muslim Brotherhood Network. And he reported to the FBI, he said, all right, this is what they're doing next. They believe they set up this group called the International Institute of Islamic Thought. They'll be able to funnel in an unlimited amount of money that you can't trace. And their goal is going to be to infiltrate academia. And then... Look at what happens. There it is. Yeah. There it is. That is really disturbing. That is all of it is really disturbing, especially when we do have laws uh, about disclosure and and they're not doing the right thing. But 
you know, Ryan, this just points out why people need to watch Covert Cash and also, like you said, be kind of citizen journalists and demand to know from your kid's school or maybe your school, uh, where are you getting your money from? And if you're receiving money from one of these anti-American countries, uh, you know, where's who's giving it and what's it being used for? And, you know, demand some answers. I think this is such an important project. You can go to clarionproject.org slash Covert Cash and watch the film for yourself. I highly recommend it. Ryan Morrow from the Clarion Project. Ryan, you do such great work, and it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, you bet. Take care, and God bless you. Really appreciate that kind of good investigative journalism. We need more of it. We're going to have to leave it there, but we thank you for being with us here on Janet Meffer today. We'll see you next time.